All right, howlers, let's get howling. But first, a couple quick warnings. First warning, this podcast contains adult content. Don't be a pixie. Second warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising saga. Don't forget to follow us, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy, email howlerpod at gmail.com. Visit us at howlerpod.com. And don't forget to rate and review us five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, we will make you strip naked and walk to the monument. And you're not Romulus and you're not going to fucking make it. How many steps would you make it? Uh, None. Yeah, I'd just, be like, it's cold out here. Give me my coat back. I would immediately fall over and die. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he made it, what, like 70? I think he made it 70 of 80 steps. I would make it 20. I would do the part where I'm like, I am bit, and then I would just like fall over. <laughs> <laughs> no, you just be like, I... <laughs> and now, Howler Pod. Ow! Ow! I pulled the key Pax gave me from my neck and put it in my bag, setting aside the father, welcoming the reaper, and letting the old rage take hold. Hello, Howlers. Welcome to HowlerPod, the one and only podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the Fantastic Red Rising Saga by Howler Number One, Pierce Brown. Hey, girl. I'm your host, Ben Reinert. Joined today, as always, by the amazing Aaron Ayers. Low Howlers. What are we doing today, Aaron? We're doing Iron Gold, Chapter 59, to the end of the book. End of the book. It's the season finale. The season finale. One last time. <laughs> Well, then, until Dark Age. (laughs) 59 to 65. All right. Well, let's load up this star shell and shoot straight into our chapter summaries. Hopefully, we don't shit our suits. Chapter 59, Lyria, Forgiveness. Holiday and Lyria join the Sovereign while she is in conference. Mustang says she must own up to her mistakes just like Lyria did. She kneels in front of Lyria and asks for forgiveness. Stunned, Lyria sheds her own hatred and bitterness towards the woman and sets a hand on her head. While back in her room, feeling good about life for once, a brown woman appears with a hypodermic needle that she plunges into Lyria's chest, saying how Sparka sends their regards. Who is it? Hmm, I have an idea. Figmentum. We'll get into it in Prime 5, maybe. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Chapter 60, Darrow, Ashes to Ashes. Severo and Darrow cut their way to the Ash Lord's rooms. When they enter, they see a surprising sight. There are only a few slaves in the room guarding a hospital bed with medical machines surrounding it, all hooked up to a skeletal husk of a once giant man. This is why he has been hidden away for three years. Apple enters, and he's not surprised by the state of the man. Severo and Darrow freak out, surprised that Apollonius wouldn't have divulged that he had the Ash Lord poisoned three years prior. But he said he didn't know for sure. Couldn't have known. Couldn't have known. 
he's just, you know, waiting to see if it worked. And he's pleased by the results. <laughs> the Ash Lord reveals to Darrow that his only remaining daughter, Atalantia, has been the force behind his lesions these past few years and that she is now going to destroy Darrow's fleet and men on Mercury. On Mercury. <laughs> Not only that, he reveals that Darrow and Severo's children have been stolen. Apple lights the Ash Lord on fire and they all watch him burn. Sounds like a great time. Just kidding. <laughs> and I set fire to the rain. To the Ash Lord. <laughs> Adele would like burn that shit up. We got to remember that. With her me. voice. We're going to make a next music video. So She would take her long nails <laughs> and just scrape all his moldy skin off. <laughs> Chapter 61, Lysander, the Moon Lord. Lysander and the Moonies are in the Hall of Justice for Romulus's trial. Dido only brings charges of negligence against her husband, not of treason. She plays the video and concludes that Romulus did not know of what Darrow had done, but that he should have been more diligent in checking into the situation. Before the trial is wrapped, Chance strikes. She brings the charge of treason against Romulus. They ask him two simple questions. Did he know about the docks? Did he conspire to conceal this fact from everyone? He answers yes, because he's a fucking badass, iron gold motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he answers yes, condemning himself to death. But what is honor without truth? Honor is not what you say. Honor is what you do, Aaron. Thank you, Romulus. <laughs> Chapter 62, Lysander, Iron Gold. Lysander has been invited to his surprise and everyone else's surprise <laughs> to watch one of the greatest men of a generation take his last walk. Before this final act, he pulls Lysander aside to have a word. Romulus tells Lysander that he still has the power to stop this war and asks him if he can save the worlds. Can you, Lysander? The answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> Romulus then returns to his family to say his final farewell to his wife. They embrace and share a passionate kiss, and he says some really sweet stuff that I wish someone would say to me. <laughs> And then Romulus strips off all of his clothes, including his mask that uh, filters the air, and he turns to walk down the dune to the monument to his death. The poisoned air and the deathly low temperatures destroy his body as he walks, falling just 10 steps short of the monument. We are but dust and shadows, says Serafina. Chapter 63, Lysander, Luke's at Tenebris. That sounded right. Lysander is escorted to Dido's room by Serafina. She is like, what? Dido is like, what in the fuck do you want right now? My husband, the greatest man ever, just died. I don't have time for your shit. Lysander is like, oh, but you do because I'm totally in iron gold and I want to be a shepherd. I'm inspired by Romulus and I want to join your war. Wow. He pledges to go to the core on the Rim's behalf and find his godfather to work out an alliance against the Reaper. Dido considers for a bit and then accepts his deal. Do you know why he's not going to find his godfather? I think it's because he's burned to death. He is literally the Ash Lord. <laughs> he's a pile of ashes. <laughs> he will find the Ash Lord. It's just going to be literal ashes that he's going to find. Like 
<laughs> a pile of ashes with a crown on top. <laughs> Ooh, they should have. They definitely should have thrown the crown in there, just for fun. I like it. At the end, chapter sixty-four. Ephraim, locust queen. Ephraim and the kids are flying along back to Republic forces and think they are safe and sound when a light starts blinking on the communicator. It's an incoming message from the Syndicate Queen. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. A distorted image of her head pops up, and she's like, Ephraim, bring back the kids now. And F is like, LOL, no. (laughs) So the Syndicate Queen is like, fine, uh, I bought this ship for the Duke, so it's mine. I can take control of it. Congratulations, F. You are officially fucked. Again, he's always, always fucked. (laughs) The ship begins to turn around, but Ephraim is not having any of that. He tells the kids to strap in and goes to the back of the ship and finds some grenades. He sets them in the back of the ship next to the engines and then gets back in the cockpit just in time to strap in as they go boom. And he takes the ship down. Ephraim laughing bitterly as they fall. I, the last line, I was like so impassioned. I was like, get him out, bro. (laughs) He's like, you got to go down in style. (laughs) Chapter 65, Darrow, the rending. Darrow, Severo, and Apple walk out of the Ashlord's fortress where the remaining howlers are waiting for them on the landing pad at the top of the tower. The vibe is not good, <laughs> just to it's, say the least. It's pretty uh, depressing. <laughs> it's a bad vibe. Bad vibe. Currently, uh, they let the howlers know about uh, what is actually going on with the Ash Lord. Severo and Darrow fight about what to do next and decide to part ways. Severo's going to Luna. Darrow's going to save his army on Mercury. Darrow is joined by Callaway, Alex, Thraxa, Tungless, and Rona. And they all get on the Ashlord ship and head to Mercury. Severo takes Anessis with the rest of the Howlers. Severo also gives Darrow the gold prisoners they broke out from Deep Grave for Darrow to use on Mercury against those families there. Apple's like, yo, I got a bomb in my head. Can I get some help here? (laughs) He's like, hey, y'all forgot about me. I I got the countdown clock in my eyeball. (laughs) Darrow shuts it off but tells him he's taking the prisoners that were supposed to be Apple's. Apple is obviously pissed. Uh, Darrow shuts the door in his face and takes off. Uh, it is time for him to set aside his identity as a father and let the Reaper and the old rage take hold once again. Rage into the night, my friend. Curtains. Book over. All right. So now that we know what happened in these chapters, let's talk about the theme that ties them all together. Aaron, what's this week's theme? Who am I? Who do I want to be? Who this is from Les Mis Uh, who who am I guys who who do I want to be who do I have to be who am I (laughs) this kind of is some of our previous themes all coming to fruition here Mm -hmm. at the end of the book and then creating new questions for us right and then we might figure them out in dark age so our first uh, quote, pull quote from the chapters is on Illyria chapter. This is right, uh, right when Mustang has said, I need your forget." Like she says, I'm sorry. I totally fucked up. And Lyria says, I can't hold on to the anger or the pettiness of, of the pain. I want only to help her to protect families like mine. Letting go of that anger doesn't spit on the memories of Ava 
or Tyrion or the children. It honors them. And for the first time I can remember, I feel hope. So this is a big turnaround moment for Lyria. Mm -hmm. She's been in this kind of spiteful, bitter place even since before her family was murdered. Of course, it got worse during that. But now she's got the sovereign herself Mm -hmm. asking for forgiveness, admitting that she was wrong. Mm -hmm. And Lyria's like, I can't keep hating this woman. Right. I've got to grow and change just like she does. So this is like huge for Lyria. Yeah. She sees how hard like Mustang is fighting and like she remembers that Mustang's seen shit too. She's like, she's, she's been in the mud. Right. Just like Lyria has been. And she's like, I've got to let this go. Um, I want to protect people. That's who I want to be. And so um, she makes this decision right here and she has this like, kind of new identity and new purpose moving forward. And that's kind of Lyria's journey throughout the entire book here uh, that we've been seeing. It's uh, one step after the other. She started as like extremely spiteful person towards the Republic and um, Mustang, especially the Sovereign. A lot of her anger was directed at Mustang personally. And then um, she kind of figured out that, no, I need to like fight for my family and now it's extended even more to like, I need to fight for people uh, like me and like my family that need help. And we definitely see this in the next book mm-hmm. with Lyria. We see her taking some ownership um, even before she has a super powered parasite in her brain. Right. She, she's already like forgiving Volga when she's writing notes back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, she's just kind of on this journey of forgiveness and growth. And I think she's doing great. I agree. I'm proud of Lyria. I am too. Good job, Lyria. Then she gets a needle in her chest. <laughs> Oops. So next up for who am I? Who do I want to be? Who, who do I have to who be? Who do I have to be? <laughs> this is Darrow, of course. <laughs> this is a quote from the Ash Lord. And these these moments with the Ash Lord have a ton of insight um, into Darrow's character. And it, it kind of harkens back to when Darrow is saying that he knows the Ash Lord so well. This is kind of showing that the Ash Lord knows him so well, too. Mm-hmm. Like, they are kind of of the same species of warlord, basically. Darrow says it here. It's just like they're one of the few people that have had their personal experiences. And so it's like, the Ash Lord sees Darrow and him. Darrow's now starting to see the Ash Lord in, in, in himself. And it's just like, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Do I? Whoa, bro. Yeah. Should I be going down that path? So this is what the Ash Lord is saying to Darrow. He says, you are precisely what I expected. The destroyer of a civilization too often resembles its founders. It's admiration in his voice. It's familiarity. How few people left breathing could understand this man. How many men know what it's like to give a command that kills millions? I swallow. My hatred for him quieted by the wretched thing he's become. And my fear at heading down the same broken road. But, Darrow, you already have. I I was going to say, I think he's pretty far down that road already. He's pretty far down (laughs) that broken road. I mean, the docks of Ganymede killing millions of people. And giving up the sons in the process, Giving too. up the sons. And then we see coming up in Dark Age, he still has, I mean, who he has to be 
is still this warlord who has to kill a ton of lives right. to save other lives. Right. At least in that part, he's like, he's sacrificing and he's, he understands what's important to him at this point. He wants to save his army. This conversation that he has, the Ash Lord has such a great impact on him and it will just continue to kind of reverberate through Dark Age. And that's the Daryl we get at the end there where he's like got a razor in his chest and about to die. He's just like, I'm not going to give up. I, I will, you know, I will save this. And even if I have to like sacrifice my army here right now, like I'm never giving up on this. That's something that I, you know, I think that that separates Daryl from the Ash Lord there is like he would never personally sacrifice like Daryl would, you know, and I think that's what ends up separating the two of them. Right. Yeah. And the personal sacrifice in the Ash Lord's own words come from Darrow's genetics, from his red matter. Mm-hmm. So the Ash Lord says to him, I see you kept our scar and our eyes. Then what of the red remains? Then the Ash Lord also goes on to say, that's part of your red genetic character, your yearning, your need to sacrifice. Brave pioneer, toil, dig, die for the good of humanity. To make Mars green, we designed you to be the perfect slave, and that's what you are, Darrow, a slave with many masters. Change your eyes, take our scar, break our reign. It won't change what you are at your core, a slave. Damn. Yeah, the Astralord is, he's a maestro in these last moments. Like, he's, he's really... He's an invalid, and he's just, like, playing Darrow a fool, you know, running him in circles emotionally. For sure. Yeah, he... Fucks Darrow up emotionally, and he also fucks him up tactically. Like he's right. like, Atlantia is already gone, bro. You can't do anything about it. <laughs> you know, like. he's like, oh, you're here to see me. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, but I think he, the Ash Lord makes some very good points in this. Darrow is constantly like basically sacrificing himself for the good of the many, right? Which is what makes him such an easy person for the low colors to follow and to rally towards. And it also makes him an easy person for the golds to take advantage of. Right. Cause yeah. they're looking for their best interests mm-hmm. pretty much at all times. Mm-hmm. But Darrow's constantly trying to make the, the world's all better for all people. Yep. Which is a huge task. That's why it's so much harder to be the good guy is like you have so many more things to consider and like you have to bring so much more into it. And it's like Darrow actually has questions about am I a bad person? Like I killed all these people and the Ash Lord doesn't he doesn't see it that way. You know, he's, he's just like, like that was necessary because exactly. I burned Rhea in order to stop a war that would have killed more people. Right. So he's like transactional, like mm-hmm. okay, mathematically these deaths make more sense than more deaths, you know, across a war. Mm-hmm. And it's cold calculation, but the way he says it, it like makes sense when he says it. Sure. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah. But then it's like, no, dude. That's when you, you know just you just blow up a planet. Right. That's when you know you have a good uh good bad guy is what he says. Like you're actually like, oh that kind of makes sense. <laughs> you're like right. you're like considering like he's making sense right now. And that's when you know like you have a really good villain in a story. Yep. yep. Until he gets lit on fire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the next quotes we have from Darrow, and this is like Darrow has come out of the Ash Lord's room and he's deciding what he's going to do next. Like, am I going to go to Mercury? Am I going to go to Luna? 
And he says, I have made my choice and it kills me to know I chose not to be a father, not to be a husband. I failed at both when I chose the rising over my family and now it teeters on the razor's edge. He's talking about the rising there. This is heartbreaking line, I feel like. It's just hearing Darrow say, I chose to not be a father and not be a husband is just so tough because we have like gone through four books at this point knowing that that's really Darrow's number one dream when he back when he was a red was to just like that's what he wanted to be a father yeah he just wanted to like have a family and enjoy life and not fight with anybody now he's got this crazy heavy duty to billions of people and not only billions of people but also just like millions of soldiers that have worshipped him and have fought all over the solar system for him and now they are just out to dry basically on mercury and there's only one thing that can save them and that's the reaper, you know? And so he has to be like, he's like, I have to do this. I have to go save these guys. And this is really for our theme of who am I? This is really for Darrow. Who do I have to be? Yep. This is obviously who he has to be. Yep. He doesn't have a choice on who he wants to be anymore. It's just like, he has to be the reaper at this point. Cause that's the only way he's going to be able to, clear kind of his conscience at this point and also he feels like he owes this huge responsibility to all these people that see him as you know the reaper that the savior he started this he started this war really and so it's time for him to you know take responsibility technically the sons of aries and then also technically the gold started this sure sure Let's not put this on Darrow. He's not the one who enslaved <laughs> a race of people. Yeah. But I mean, he, he's responsible for where things are at right now with the decisions he's made in Iron Gold anyway. For sure. For yeah. sure. Okay. And then we see him talking about, like Aaron and I had talked about earlier, that he's seeing himself in the Ash Lord and the Ash Lord was seeing himself in Darrow. And Darrow says... The Ash Lord was right. Nothing of the red remains. I am trapped in my duty like Lauren, like Magnus himself, like Octavia. Severn and I did not understand them when we were boys, but now that we are men, we become them. And then uh, we have this final quote, and this is the last, like, last passage of the book, and it's just so, so great. It says, I feel lost, but in the void, drifting away from my friends, I feel something else, something I have not felt for some time. The Ash Lord claimed he did not take my son, but I know his designs. It was not a friend who took them. He and Atalantia played me for a fool. She thought I would abandon my army, my fleet, and rush home to save my son. But she does not know what she has awoken. I pulled the key Pax gave me from my neck and put it in my bag, setting aside the father, welcoming the reaper, and letting the old rage take hold. Let's go! Let's go! See, this is the first point, I swear to God, in this book where I'm like, finally Darrow is making the right decision. Yeah, like a decision that you can cheer for like we just did. Yeah. Like, I I totally understand Severo's decision, and I think it's good that they do split up at this point because I think they need Severo's sneaky, sneaky tactics on luna right but daryl cannot ab- abandon his lesions and his men mm-hmm. i think he's definitely 100 percent doing the honorable thing here i think he's totally right to say that 
um, if the kids are stolen, that Mustang can handle it. And that at this point, he's already gone. Him coming back isn't going to help the situation. And the only thing that in my mind would have made everything better is if he had stayed on Luna and the Mustang wouldn't have been left to have the Vox cut her face open. Right. And stab her teeth. Yeah. I think the breakup between Darrow and Severo is is necessary. Like, it helps Darrow find himself again and get his mojo back, kind of, you know? Yeah. And then also, Severo needs, like, he needs a break from Darrow at this point. Like, he cares about other things, and following Darrow around all over the solar system is not who he is anymore, you know? And he's and I think become very resentful, and yeah. um, they're just, it's hard to watch them fighting but right also i will say it's hard to know what will happen in dark age and know what's happening at this point like it's like ooh, what if severo went with darrow yeah. then he wouldn't be under abominadris's yeah for sure yeah power, that part you know? sucks fingers crossed darrow cassius rescue mission for <laughs> severo <laughs> we're, we're gonna hold out for like the one really positive thing that could happen (laughs) that'd be fun so that was darrow's who am i who do i have to be he has become again the reaper thank god i was tired of mopey like in action just go with the flow darrow because clearly that wasn't working so now we have our reaper back right and that takes us to everybody's favorite iron gold lysander (laughs) Yeah, Lysander's out here like, hey, guys, I'm in Iron Gold, too. I know that Romulus just said that he was, so I'm also saying that I am. Because that's that, all you have to do. That's all you have to do to be one, and therefore, I am also in Iron Gold. And that's what he says. Yes, and so we can see how much inspiration that Lysander took from Romulus in his final walk. Um, and most especially from the last thing that Romulus says to Lysander. And that's the quote that we've pulled here. This is Romulus. He says, there's still a chance to stop this war, Lysander. Maybe not to stop it from beginning. I fear the blood has risen too high for that. Even my death will not stop it. But there's a chance to stop it from destroying us all. Our strength before the rising did not come from our arms or our ships. It came from our unity. Long ago, Selenius Alun, your blood, and Akari Ara, my blood, stood together. Won the scepter, won the sword. They gave birth to the Pax Solaris. They freed us from Earth's dominion. You face a choice that will touch lives far beyond your sight. Run as you have these last years, or become the echo of those great men. He leans forward, his voice husky and full of emotion. That lone eye seems suspended in his face. Celestial and untethered from its mortal body, he sets his hand on my shoulder. You saved my daughter. Can you now save the worlds? Wow. Can we say that just Lysander interpreted this all like wrong, though? I mean, because he (laughs) immediately takes this as inspiration to start the war that Romulus did not want to start. I agree. (laughs) I think Romulus died trying to have his death be like a beacon so everyone could rally to his ideals of uh, keeping the rim intact, not starting a war, et cetera. Right. He kind of wants to show that like 
I'm wasting like I'm wasting my life right now as to save a, your life. Exactly. Instead, Lysander and Dido and Serafina, they're all wanting revenge now because now they're blaming Darrow for Romulus's death. Right. Yeah, they use it the wrong way. You know? Sure. Yeah. I'm just shaking my head. I'm like, <laughs> why didn't they take Romulus's whole testimony at the trial of he says the reason I hid this is because I did not want to like dip the rim into a war that we would never recover from. Right. It's like I I lied to everyone to save our whole civilization out here. Mm-hmm. But nobody it all fell on deaf ears. Yeah, he has an interesting quote about how he, he says like since Darrow still lives, like no matter what, the rising will will keep going. They they have a living God. A living savior. Yeah, and they will rise up behind him. And even if he dies, like they will keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. He's like, we've got a good thing going out here. We figured it out. We should just chill. Right. (laughs) We should chill and like don't immediately jump back into a war. They haven't recovered from, even though they have new ships, they still haven't recovered fully from... The previous fights right. where Darrow was out there uh, against Octavia, and this is one of the flaws in like the gold philosophy is just like the fact that this honor and a vengeance and you know setting stuff right, tech, like quote unquote right again, is so important to them. They can't risk a slight. They can't um, let this be a thing where Darrow had this. He had the upper hand. He destroyed the docks of Ganymede. Like they can't let that be. They know it's a truth, and it's just like it doesn't matter if it's going to destroy everyone. Their philosophy is we have to right this wrong. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And then they have the heir of Selenius there saying, "What up? I'm an iron gold. I can totally lead everybody <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for no reason other than my birthright." I'm such a good leader. So Lysander's <laughs> quote. Uh, to Dido at the end here, um, he's talking to Dido about what he is. He's saying, I'm, I am not a king. And she's like, then what are you? And he's like, what am I? Introspection time. Mm-hmm. I've been asking myself for a decade or more. He doesn't know what he is. But then he's saying that the low colors need a protector, that they need a shepherd. And that now he knows who he wants to become. Mm-hmm. So with that, he says, I am no heir of empire or conqueror of men, but I have the same birthright as you, the same inheritance. We were created because earth broke itself, because man disintegrated into the tribal strife. Chaos is the nature of man, order, the dream of gold. We were made to shepherd, to unite despite our differences, that is what Romulus said to me in the end, and he is right. And then Lysander goes on to say, uh, you called my grandmother a tyrant. She was, but I'm not her. I'm not Aja. I'm not my godfather. I am an iron gold. Like as if Aja isn't, or as <laughs> if the Ashlord isn't an iron gold. This is, I, I Or feel- as if Octavia wasn't. Those, those three were so much more iron gold than him. This is just slippery Lysander. He's so good with his words and he's so good with getting people to buy in. You know, like this is his, this is his talent. It's crazy to me. If anyone knows one story about Aja, 
they would know that she's way more badass than him. <laughs> yeah. He's just able to twist like logic, philosophy. He puts it all together. And just like when he says the stuff, you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And then you kind of like look at it a little bit longer. You're like, wait a this second. This dude's full of shit. <laughs> so then the very last thing that he says to Dido, which is in complete opposition to what Romulus was trying to say to him, is Lysander says, if peace must be brought with a sword, let us hold it together. Mm-hmm. No. no. Not the lesson that Romulus was trying to teach That's you. That's not the lesson. <laughs> so this is Lysander's who am I? Who do I want to become? And this is us saying that he's not picking the right path. We don't like the person you're becoming, Lysander. It's just crazy. He's like <laughs> respecting Romulus so much. And then he's like, you know, great idea. I'm going to start a war. Yep. It's like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Not what he was trying to say, man. This is why it's so upsetting that Romulus does die. Yeah. Because, I mean, he could really lead these people way better than Dido and Lysander. Exactly. There's a, we talked about this last pod. There's a real lack of like reasonable people. <laughs> <laughs> in these books Romulus was pretty reasonable like if we could just think <laughs> through this seriously alright that's this episode's theme of who am I Jean Valjean that's the answer <laughs> let's uh, move on to the prime five which is five of our favorite insights and observations from this week's chapters show is Okay, first one. Holiday and Lyria have this little almost heart-to-heart while they're out on the balcony watching ships fly by. And Holiday kind of opens up about Ephraim. And she says that Ephraim's curse is that he can't die. She goes into the story about him watching his team get like peeled apart by mm-hmm. these golds and then that same gold walking free. He like can't manage to die himself, but all, all the people around him always die, all the people he cares about. I thought that was really interesting to hear now that we've read Dark Age and know how he ends up dying in the end. Mm-hmm. And the way he dies in Dark Age, he's really going to save Sefi. So he dies honorably with mm-hmm. a good mission in his heart. Right. And this is kind of like his curse... His whole life has been that he can't die, but now in Dark Age, he's finally freed. He finally finds redemption, and he can join Trig in wherever. Worthy. Worthy. <laughs> but this whole, if you haven't been rereading, this is a great one to read, just based on what Holiday says about Ephraim. It's, it's really cool insight, I would say. Love it. Love Ephraim. He's uh he's great. Um, we're so glad that he ended up finding his redemption in the end. I'm not glad. I'm sad. I wish he would never find his redemption. Always be cursed with living, so that we never lived without him. Sure. I guess I'm torn. Like, and also it didn't really work out for him, kind of either. So. Yeah, he did not save Sefi. He got Xenophon at least. <laughs> he did get Xenophon. Okay, that takes us to the next item on the Prime Five list. And that is, we've got a figment sighting. Figmentum. Figmentum. She uh, is a slippery son of a bitch. 
She's in disguise. She's got moles on her face. She's a maid. She's got a beehive haircut or something like that. Hair nest. Hair nest, yeah. Um, She is the one that comes in and syringes Lyria. Lyria in the chest. And then we assume also gets Volga, maybe? I'm assuming that she also... Or maybe someone else at the same time. Volga at the same time. I would assume it was her. Because they both end up on the same ship, right? I mean... But Lyria uh, clearly was a a hot target for Victra, and Victra tried blunt force. Mm -hmm. And when she didn't get in in her pregnancy armor, she sent in her slippery spy, Figment. Mm -hmm. I also feel like House Barca sends their regards is a little bit of a Game of Thrones shout out. Oh, how? Red Wedding, if you haven't. So spoiler alert for Game of Thrones. Don't say it. <laughs> Don't say what happens. I won't say what happens, but the Lannisters send their regards. Is oh, a, really? Uh-huh. It's a oh, famous line I was Game too uh, distraught to hear anything. <laughs> that was a fun time in my life. <laughs> Yep, Figment sighting. Next up, uh, we wanted to talk about the Rim, the Moonies, and their trials and how it's so different from the core. And right. Lysander even mentions if this trial was happening in the core or with Octavia, it would have gone on for months with all the witnesses being secretly murdered or bribed yeah. or have their families ransomed. <laughs> But this, they're like so honorable. It's crazy. They're just very straightforward. Mm-hmm. No it bullshit. Really shows you the differences between the REM and the core. And just like how far off base the core had gotten at this point. Like they've gone so far into like vanity and all of that. And just how, how much the REM actually honors like the tenants, the true tenants of the golds as shepherds. And the honor involved with all of that. And Romulus is just like the shining example of that. And also they, um, their whites aren't bought. Like I assume the core whites are. If you were asked a question that was going to result in your death while on trial, would you lie about it to protect yourself? Yes. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> Immediately. I'm like, I didn't know anything. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. All he literally has to do is say no, and everybody's like, cool. Cool. Yep. yep, we didn't want you to die. But no, Romulus is so honorable in this. And then also, we want to talk about the, the judge, Helios, mm-hmm. and what he looks like. <laughs> He's got a white mustache. I just want to give you a mental like picture. Like a Fu Manchu. Like a, yeah, all the way down, hanging off. And then there's an iron, like, clasp connecting the two the mustache two parts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just like, what? <laughs> He's looking cool, man. What are we doing there? I don't know. <laughs> it's his uniform. Don't, don't make fun of his uniform. I guess. I mean, I guess it probably looks hard and, like, really cool. But also, it's kind of like, what's going on with this? And then another thing, uh, during the trial, it says that like Romulus is sitting on the ground again. He's just like chilling. I, I freaking he's love unadorned. Romulus. He's probably barefoot. I don't know. They don't yeah. say that. But he's like, there's no like posturing from no, Romulus. Never. He is who he is, and he owns up to his mistakes. And it's just kind of a really badass moment for the Moonies. Mm-hmm. Point Moonies. That takes us to our next item on the Prime 5 list, number four, I believe. Okay, so this is some 
some intrigue, some like light conspiracy corner here. Ashlord, he says that he was not responsible for the kidnapping of the children. And he says it was a friend of Darrow's that took them. It was Sefi. <laughs> My question is, how does he have this intelligence if he is not responsible? You know, like, how does he know about the... So you're, you think it's Holiday still? Maybe. But we know, th- we know that the syndicate queen is Lilith. Right. But what I'm saying is, what if Holiday is feeding information to our man, the Ashlord here? But also he's like, I'm not responsible. So I think this plays two ways. I think it can play into the theory that maybe Holiday is spying for the society. I think it also plays into the idea that she's not somebody else entirely is responsible uh, because Daryl thinks it's a lie. It could just be like, you know, a syndicate queen situation or like you said, Sefi could be involved or somebody we don't even know about at this point could be involved. But I'm just wondering, where is the Ashlord getting his intelligence and why does he know this prior to, like, how does he know this at this time? If it's being kept so quiet on Luna, he has to, I feel like he has to have a mole on the inside at this point. What if the Syndicate and the Ashlord are partnered up? Could be. Could be. That's, and that's what Mustang believes. Because she says that Daryl was right in these chapters. The society is pulling the strings they hired the syndicate i don't think that's right though but lilith wants gold to rule too they they line up in terms of ideals right but it's like if a bondman adrius ever reveals himself to the society they're gonna be like fuck you we hate you the jackal like they're gonna try and kill him like they're never gonna be on the same side so, it could be a means to an end right and it, it just still makes me think we've still got a traitor in our inner I don't circle. Know, I don't know that we have to have a traitor. I think we know from the Jackal's skills while he was alive that he had all that media and, and like computer intelligence above everyone else. Mm-hmm. So he could clearly be like... Smoke screening peeps and yeah. getting bad information out. Yeah, I mean, that's a possibility too. I, I feel like if the Ashlord knows that Daryl's got a traitor in his midst, and it feels like somebody is informing on the sovereign and what's going on there. There's somebody that's plugged in that's a bad a bad person that's plugged in with the Republic that's really you know giving information away or a mole for the other side. It's I'm, not holiday. Okay, that's fine. I'm I'm okay with that possibility. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> and then last up on our prime five. Moving on. Respect to my man. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. <laughs> Romulus is amazing. We love Romulus. He has one eye. He has one arm. <laughs> He's honorable beyond measure. He's a fucking badass. Everything he says in that last chapter he has where he walks to his death is just amazing. It's just damn. <laughs> I'm just like... I'm so impressed by him as 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 a character and everything he does. Like he has this kind of he tries to be sweet to Serafina, but she sucks, so she won't accept it. Well, she's hurting. (laughs) I don't blame her for this, but I did want to talk about the love between yeah, that's what Romulus and Dido. Get into that for sure. And he says, 
This is not an end. I loved you before I ever met you. I will love you until the sun dies. And when it does, I will love you in the darkness. Goodbye, wife. Damn, Romulus. Can someone say that to me? <laughs> I, I want someone to like love me until the sun dies. Is that so much to ask? So good. He's a, he's a wordsmith. He's a poet. Yeah. I love what he says to Diomedes, too. That part to oh, Diomedes yeah. is just, that actually like ripped my heart out. It, this whole chapter, I was like, ugh. Diomedes says, like, is apologizing. I'm sorry. I failed you. He says, no, I should never have involved you in this. But what luck I have to call a man like you, my son. It is an honor you cannot understand. One day you will have children. And if you have just one who is as dear as you are to me, you will understand how blessed my life has been. Stay true to your own heart, no matter the cost. Two things going on here. Wow, I'm about to cry. <laughs> Secondly, is this a coded message to Diomedes? Stay true to your own heart, no matter the cost, a.k.a. go with Cassius. Let's not start this war. Do everything you can to not start this war. Is that really what he's saying at that moment? I think it is. Possibly, for sure. And then he even says to Serafina, if I live, I divide the rim. So he truly is sacrificing himself to try to keep the rim as one unit and to keep them all surviving and thriving. Right. And how sad that they just immediately go to war. <laughs> I know. They don't even like try to honor his final wish. It's so fucked up. But yeah, Prime 5, Romulus, my man, oh my God. You're Howard Pod's new number one crush right now. <laughs> yeah. One eye, one arm. I don't care. I love it. If he could say poetry to me, I'll take it. All right. Now that we've finished our prime five, it's time to name our primus of the week, where we choose the one character who conquered our proctors of plot and rose above the rest. Our primus of the week is the ass lord. Fuck. okay this is why he gets lit on fire yeah we know yeah we know we know he (laughs) he literally becomes his namesake which is really kind of a win in itself don't you think i mean it's poetic for sure It's poetic justice (laughs) but um out of everyone he really kind of gets to twist the knife and win yeah he's dying anyway he wins in terms of plot yeah in almost every way. Yeah. Yeah, he like totally mind fucks Darrow at the end. And then he's also like, Elaine is already to Mercury. Your legions are fucked. Your fleet is fucked. Suck on it, big dog. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sounds like Ben is Team Ashlord. He also wins because he everything he says. Even though he's like the bad guy, it's all true. Yeah. Like he says a lot of really insightful things here at the end to Darrow that I think Darrow needs to hear. He needs to get, you know, the mirror and look himself in the eye as in his possible future as this old dying man. Right. I would agree. The stuff that he says to Darrow gets the Ash Lord the win this week. But I think ultimately... Like, it's going to affect Darrow so much that it's going to result in a loss. So it's like, he won the battle this week, but he's not going to win the war. Well, he's, 
he also got lit on fire. <laughs> yes, I'm just saying like figuratively. Right. Yeah. So that is why we chose the Ash Lord. Uh, we wanted to choose Romulus because he's a much more enjoyable bad guy because mm-hmm. he's still a racist <laughs> space lord. I'm willing to look the other way. <laughs> <laughs> he's still technically a bad guy, but um, in the end, his his goals weren't followed and yeah. he kind of died for nothing, really. He did because his family sucks. Even though it was an epic... Except for Diomedes. Awesome death. You have a crush on Diomedes. <laughs> Even though Romulus had an epic, awesome death, way more epic and awesome than the Ash Lords, he still like just kind of lost in every way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like he, it was all for naught, really. Super sad. Yeah. Okay, good job, Ash Lord. Now you're dead. Yeah, right. That is kind of what makes Romulus' death so tough. It's like it ends up he makes this giant, amazing sacrifice for nothing. Next up, Howler Q and A. We've got a question from Michael Prather. He sent an email. I'm going to read the whole thing. It's a little bit long. He says, I have a problem with the fighting skills of Cassius and Lysander. No amount of practice with Lysander is going to keep Cassius at the razor proficiency that he fights at on the rim. The rim is a warrior culture. Darrow and company have been at war for more than a decade. Cassius has been drinking and teaching Am I wrong to think that he shouldn't have been able to fight as well as he did? Similarly, I don't think Lysander should have been able to get the jump on Alexander and then deliver an arm-crushing blow to Darrow of all people. I agree about Lysander. (laughs) You know, that's true. However, I think with Cassius, we don't see him at his best. He's getting sliced up left and right, and in the description of the fight, he like happens to win. I mean, mm-hmm. the first fight with Bellerophon is super close. Yeah, and he gets kind of lucky, really. He gets lucky, and yeah. he gets super cut up. Mm-hmm. And then the next two fights aren't by shades. They're not. He's right. not fighting the best fighters. He's actually fighting like not good fighters. Mm-hmm. So I think if Diomedes had jumped in the ring first before Bellerophon, Cassius definitely would have lost. I agree. And let's keep in mind that they're not just like drinking and teaching and flying around on a spaceship. Like they're fighting a Ascomani off a lot of different places. They're helping people that are ferrying goods around on near the rim and out here on these trade routes. And so like they're getting into fights with golds at some and obsidians. At one point they do talk about how Cassius had to like hunt down a gold that had a bounty on their head and that's how they bought the archimedes so like they're they're out there mixing it up still and i think that cassius at this point you know he's 33 and like he's been training every day since he was what you know a teenager and he's been training every day since he was probably like 20 in the willow way. So like he's going to be a razor master at this point. Like he's one of the, he was one of the top dudes already. I don't think he's going to lose his form really. And he's still super muscly. Lysander calls him muscly creature. Right. He's still like working out even though he's drinking. I think you could argue that Lysander might not have great fighting skills, but I think the reason that he gets the jump on Darrow in dark age is first of all lysander wasn't doing really any fighting prior to him and darrow 
meeting up. Um, Darrow had just gone through weeks on, uh, on end of like no sleep, fighting constantly. He's got wounds all over the place. He's recovering from a fucking heart attack. Uh, you know, like he's just gotten trampled by horses, like, <laughs> like not, all not, kinds of shit. Not horses, <laughs> sunbloods. Yeah, this is not this is not Darrow at a hundred percent fighting Lysander at a hundred percent. This no. is Darrow at like twenty five percent fighting. And again, I think Pierce does a good job of showing the faults in both in that fight, mm-hmm. and again, like Lysander gets lucky and doesn't die. And he tricks Darrow. I mean, that's uh, is the other thing. Like he pulls kind of an underhanded move. He like calls Darrow out and he's thinking that he does kind of the same thing to Alexander. It's like this honorable thing is happening. They're charging at each other. It's this is going to end this honorable way, but he's got, you know, a hidden razor ready for Darrow. And that's how he ends up stabbing him. Right. Does the same thing to Alexander. I think you can get the jump. It'd be pretty easy to get the jump on somebody if you have a gun. Is yeah. what would be my explanation yeah. of that situation. I think that it's good to consider these points. I would agree. I mean, like I understand the critique for sure. Yeah, and I I definitely have thought that about Lysander, and we've even argued about it. Like, why is he so good at fighting all of a sudden? I would I would question it too. I mean. He's being trained in the Willow way. I agree, but like he doesn't have much like hands-on experience. Yeah, but I think Cassius did as good as Cassius should have done. I agree. Like he, he, he pretty. I mean, he pretty much died from. He almost died from it. So right. Like that's what would happen in he that. He did quote unquote die in this book. Yeah, right. As far as we know. Thank you for the question, Michael. We will still be taking questions while we're on a break. So if you guys want to send one in, we'll save those up and we will answer them once we start the Dark Age reread. Aaron, do you know what time it is? What are we into this week? I'm into Queer Eye in Japan. (laughs) So I previously have said that I was into Queer Eye, but that was in the U.S. So now I'm into yeah, this is a new season. their new season. They go to Japan. There's a lot of subtitles, but it's still worth reading them. That's good. It's good. Konichiwa. Now I want to go to Japan. I just watched the one with Yoko-san this morning, and yes. she is my favorite person on the planet. Oh, really? Yeah, I love her. She likes costumes, and I do too. I feel like we would be best friends. Let's go to Japan, and you can tell her that. <laughs> Anyways, it's fun. It's a great show to uh, not only watch, but also probably tear up and just feel great about humanity. Exactly. The healing power of love. Of love and new outfits and haircuts. <laughs> the healing power of a makeover <laughs> in Japan. Konichiwa. That's the only word I know. Ben, what are you into this week? I have been listening to... Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix audiobook. I got you into audiobooks. You're welcome. It's really good. Actually, this is a really good Harry Potter book. Just by the way, I don't know if you've ever read the Harry Potter books, but this one is good. Harry, little angsty, little annoying. He's pretty angry. Wait, which number is the Order of the this Phoenix? This is the fifth one. Okay. Because I did read them, but I do not remember the titles. Yeah, he's pretty, uh, he's pretty teeny in this one. He's like, nobody will tell me anything, and I just am so mad right now. He's always like yelling at his friends and stuff. So kind of like Darrow. <laughs> he's very emo sad boy. But it's, it's, a lot of it's justified, so it's okay. Uh, but anyway, this book, the audiobook's 
for Harry Potter are amazing. The narrator, really great. Oh, really? I oh, haven't yeah. listened to him. Production value, top of the line. And this book is just really good. The duel between Dumbledore and Voldemort at the end is so fucking dope. Great books to reread. They're great books to reread. So while uh, you wait for Dark Age reread, why don't you go back and check Harry Potter out again? Mm -hmm. All right. What are we doing next episode on HowlerPod? Dark Age reread. Keep an eye out for an announcement about Dark Age. Yes. Just make sure you're following us on the social meds at HowlerPod on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever. And we will be making an announcement sometime in December. We haven't worked out dates yet. We'll dive into our Dark Age reread. We'll have some new segments for you guys. Exciting stuff. So exciting. We'll also have a chapter by chapter breakdown, like what chapters we're going to read for each episode. So you'll know how to keep up for your reading. We also wanted to take this time to plug the Etsy store. Go buy some shit. You know what's been popular recently? So in the summer, a lot of people were buying the tank top with the HowlerPod logo. It's a great shirt. That was the bestseller. Now the bestseller is the gold sweater with the gold sigil on it. Mm -hmm. And I'm worried about all the golds out there <laughs> buying this sweater. Let's I'm, get an army of golds together, guys. Well, I'm surprised no one has bought the red sigil one. Everyone's buying the gold gold sigil one. It's a, Do you want to be a slave, you know? I mean, in, no, these books were... Do you want to be a slaver, though, is the other question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying in these books, the reds are the good guys. Not, you know, I guess some golds are good guys, too. Anyways, uh, that's the bestseller right now is the, the crew neck sweater with the gold sigil. So I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you golds out there. I want one. Oh, yeah. I Oops. <laughs> it's on the way, Ben. Don't forget to follow us. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email us, howlerpod at gmail.com. Go to howlerpod.com and rate and review us. Five stars only. If you don't give us five stars, then next time you get out of the shower, you're going to have a subdermal needle in your chest. Wow. Then we're going to take you hostage, put you in a really weird room with all kinds of blinking lights. And you're going to have to puzzles. write notes. <laughs> but wait, Volga's not in the next room. You write notes to no one. How sad is that? <laughs> so just give us five stars. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Howlers. Omnisphere Lupus. Oh! Ow!